So I got a, a pop quiz for you. Here we come. Here we come. Here we come. Great, great, great. All right. <clears throat> here's, your, here's your quiz. Can anyone tell me who this man is? Nobody. I thought at least one person. Maybe when I, I say his name, you might, uh, you might know what, what's going on. Forrest Fenn. Any of you guys know who Forrest Fenn is? What he does? What he did? All right. Little uh, little lesson here. Forrest Fenn is an interesting character. He's born in 1930, served in the Air Force, and uh, after retiring from the Air Force, in fact, he earned the Silver Star for some of the things he did in the Vietnam War. When he retired from the Air Force, he then moved to Santa Fe, New Mexico. Uh, and while he was there, he owned and operated an art gallery with his wife called Fenn Galleries. And, and over the years, the, the gallery's done very, very well and made Forrest uh, Fenn a wealthy man. But wealth doesn't ensure health, and you need to remember that. And in 1988, Forrest Fenn was diagnosed with kidney cancer. He, in the summer of that year, he had his right kidney removed. He thought he was going to die. And so he's thinking about how he can make a, a mark on this world. And so he thought about this plan. He thought about how to make his death glorious. He would stuff a treasure chest with glittering valuables, write a clue-laden poem that would point to its location, and then he'd march out to this favorite spot of his on earth. He'd take some pills and lie in eternal repose with the gold like a doomed conquistador at an Indiana Jones movie. That's what he wanted to do. Just die right there, skeletons over his treasure. There are two problems, however. First, he couldn't get a publisher to publish his poem for him, post-mortem. And second, the radiation treatments he received worked. And so death was no longer imminent. So he didn't want to hasten that unless it was, it was really, really there. But he still had this treasure idea in his mind. And uh, he just couldn't get out of his mind. And so he, he purchased this ornate bronze lockbox. And, and he spent years just sort of filling it with sort of treasures, gold coins, sapphires from Sri Lanka, ancient Chinese carved jade faces, Alaskan gold nuggets the size of chicken eggs. And, and he kept this chest in his vault at home. And, and at various times he'd have guests in his house. Sometimes they'd go into the vault and he'd say, let me show you my treasure. And it was under a red bandana, and he'd, he'd pick it up and show his friends his, his treasure. And he kept telling them, this would make a great buried treasure. Well, sometime in 2010, when Forrest Fenn was 80 years old, he slipped away from his house on a, on a trip for a few days and uh, headed north of Santa Fe into the wilds of the Rocky Mountains. And uh, he parked his car, walked into the woods a bit, and hid his treasure. Now, he, he actually he was 80 years old, so he was a little feeble. This treasure weighed 42 pounds. It took him two trips to get there the first time, and then he walked back to his home, and then he got it there his, his second time. And then he self-published his memoir entitled The Thrill of the Chase. And in this book was a poem he wrote giving clues as to the location of this treasure, which was worth several million dollars. I just want to read the, the poem for you. He said, As I have gone alone in there, and with my treasures bold, I can keep my secret where, and hint of riches new and old. Begin it where warm waters halt, 
and take it in the canyon down, not far, but too far to walk, put in below the home of Brown. From there, it's no place for the meek. The end is ever drawing nigh. There'll be no paddle up your creek, just heavy loads and water high. If you've been wise and found the blaze, look quickly down your quest to cease. But tarry scant with marvel gaze, just take the chest and go in peace. So why is it that I must go and leave my trove for all to seek? The answers I already know, I'm, I've done it, tired, and now I'm weak. So hear me all and listen good. Your effort will be worth the cold. If you are brave and in the wood, I give you title to the gold. And so that's the, the poem he wrote. And with this poem, it set off a frenzy of people. That's why I'm so amazed that you heard of this. A frenzy of people on a treasure hunt. It's estimated that over 350,000 people have made at least some effort to find Forrest Fenn's treasure. Most have done so kind of as a, as a hobby. Hey, let's go out hiking in the, in the Rockies, someplace for this treasure. You don't have to buy his book. All you need to do is that poem that I got. And uh, people tried to figure that out. Uh, a lot of people thought Yellowstone because it speaks about where the, the warm waters halt. So maybe the warm waters of Yellowstone, the geysers, they, they thought that. They thought a, about a bunch of different things. But all you need is you have your poems, your clue, go out to the Rockies. If you live close, it's really easy. But families have vacationed and gone and tried to find this treasure in, in the Rockies and going out every day on hikes, searching for treasures. And for them, it's cost a little bit more. It's cost plane tickets, hotels, and, and restaurants. And, and, and since this poem was written uh, almost 10 years ago now, he, he's kind of talked and spilled a little bit more beans about his, his treasure and his, his clues. And, and we know this far as treasure chest is above 5,000 feet in elevation, but less than 10,200 feet. It's in the Rocky Mountains, not Idaho or, or Utah. More than... Um, 8.25 miles north of Santa Fe, New Mexico. So in other words, right, it's not in his neighborhood. It's not, it's just, you got to get beyond is, is what he's saying. It, it, it's wet. He got some clues that are a bit wet. It's, it's not the top of a mountain or in a cemetery or in a mine shaft or in a building or in a structure. And as more of these clues come out, there, there are more hunters that have come out for these, these treasures. Some have even given up their jobs to make hunting their full-time, their full-time job thinking it's, a, it's a, an appropriate way to spend their money and their time. Because if they find the treasure, it'll, it's like hitting the lottery. Um, but but they're not only are people searching for riches, but they're, they're people making riches. Um, cottage industries have arisen. Websites giving all the information about Forest Fen. You can go and find it out there. Tourism in Santa Fe is, is up as people make their trips to go on their, their treasure hunt. In fact, even last month, July Five, fifth through the seventh, an event was called the the Fenbury Forest Fen, and it's like a big festival is is what they have there, and and um, you know this uh, state park in Santa Fe where they organize activities and games, even have a T-shirt design contest for finding this treasure, and not all has been fun and games. Four people have lost their lives in seeking after this treasure. Uh, local officials have warned the public of danger of searching for the treasure. So I just pass that danger on to you, right? If you're going to go search, it, it could be dangerous. So just be careful out there. Um, it, and even it's been so dangerous that a, a top police commander in the state of New Mexico has urged Fenn, just call off the hunt. And uh, Fenn said, no, the hunt will continue on. Because I think it's everything that he's wanting. He's wanting fame for himself. He's wanting... Uh, 
uh, this treasure to be found. He's, he's wanting people to, to enjoy and push on the, uh, on the hunt. Well, this morning, I'm calling all of you to a treasure hunt. Okay? Not, not in Colorado, not a hunt for uh, financial treasure, but a hunt for spiritual treasure, a hunt for spiritual wisdom. My message this morning is entitled, Search for Wisdom. It comes from Proverbs chapter 2. We're going to look at the whole chapter today. So we've been going through Proverbs. We spent the the first week in Proverbs looking at the first seven verses, which speak about the the whole key to Proverbs is the the fear of the Lord. And and then we looked at verses 8 through 19 on our second Sunday here, just how you need to listen to your parents and how you need to beware of the counsel of your peers. And then in verses 20 through 33 last week, just that urged you to listen to wisdom when you're young, while you have time before it is too late. Well, we have Proverbs chapter 2. It's really an invitation for all of you to go on a, on a treasure hunt. So let me read the passage for you. Proverbs chapter 2. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom and from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity, every good path. For wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you, delivering you from the way of evil, from men of perverted speech who forsake the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perseverance, perverseness of evil, men whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. So you will be delivered from the forbidden woman, from the adulteress with her smooth words, who forsakes the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God. For her house sinks down to death and her paths to the departed, None who go to her come back, nor do they regain the paths of life. So you will walk in the way of the good and keep to the paths of the righteous. For the upright will inhabit the land and those with integrity will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the land and the treacherous shall be rooted out from it. Well, I trust you can see there in verse 4 of the, uh, the treasure language. It says in verse 4, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures. And that's, that's the message of my, my title of my message this morning. It's search for wisdom like you would a hidden treasure. The, the it of verse 4 refers to wisdom. And Solomon is calling his son to search for wisdom as he would for a buried treasure. And as much as people are looking for Forrest Fenn's treasure... So I encourage all of you to be seeking for wisdom. We should pursue it. We should be talking to others about it. 
We should be learning from the wise. We should be reading about it. We should be seeking to put it into practice, making financial investment if necessary. We should put time investment into the search for wisdom. In other words, wisdom should be valuable enough for us that it merits our time, that it merits our effort. And I trust you see verse 4 begins with the word if. This isn't the first time in the chapter this word has appeared. It's appeared also in verse 1 and in verse 3. And the implication is in in verse 2. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures. In other words, right, if you accept what Solomon has been saying to listen to your parents, chapter 1, 8 and 9, to, to beware of your peers, chapter 1, 10 through 19, and to listen to wisdom's call, chapter 1, verses 20 to 33, if you do this, and, and if you treasure his words in your heart, that it, it, is internalize his wisdom, and, and think on it, and meditate on it, and value it, And if your ear is listening, and if your heart is leaning, and if your mouth is longing, and if you cry out to the Lord for wisdom, praying to the Lord, passionately pleading the Lord would give you wisdom, and if you seek for wisdom like people are seeking for Fen's treasure, then the promise comes in verse 5. Then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God, which is leading up to my first point, which is my first point. If you do all these things, if you search for wisdom with all of your heart, pleading passionately, you will find wisdom. That's what verse 5 says. Then, this then is the then of all these ifs. Then you will understand the fear of the Lord and you will find the knowledge of God. The promise of verse 5 is that wisdom is available to all who seek it. Unlike Fen's treasure, which is only going to be found by one person, which may not even be found at all, or maybe not even found for a hundred years, when some hunter maybe stumbles across it in in the wilderness, right when he's hunting his elk, right? Maybe that's when they'll find a treasure, right? Just someone just stumbling upon it, right? And and you can with Fen's treasure seek and seek and seek and seek and seek and never find it. But unlike Fen's treasure, wisdom is a treasure. That can be found by all. It's simply conditioned upon your effort at seeking it. If you seek wisdom with all your heart, then, as verse 5 says, you will understand the fear of the Lord. You will find the knowledge of God. The fear of the Lord, of course, is the beginning of wisdom. That's what chapter 1, verse 7 says. The knowledge of God, right, comes with wisdom. And that's what wisdom is. It's seeking the knowledge of God. Uh, Proverbs 9, verse 10 says it like this. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. The knowledge of God is insight. The knowledge of God. And so he's talking about, it's, it's so often in Proverbs, by the way, is where, where pursuing wisdom is like pursuing God. Like, like wisdom is almost a personification of God. And what you get with wisdom, blessings come, but they're, they're foreshadows of the eternal blessings. That's what we're talking about here. And so if you seek for wisdom with passion and, and pursuit, you'll find it. You'll understand the fear of the Lord. You'll find the knowledge of God. You will find God, right, if you seek Him. In fact, this invitation sounds so much like so many other invitations in the Bible. Um, Think about Jeremiah 29, when the Jews were in exile in Babylon. 
the Lord extend his goodwill to them. He said, you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. I will be found by you. And there it is, seeking the Lord with all your heart, right? Seeking wisdom with all your heart, pursuing after him. And, and as the people of Israel did that, they would promise that they would find the Lord. And the invitation here is, right, if you seek the Lord, you will find him. Sounds like Peter's sermon on Pentecost when he quoted from Joel chapter 2. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Right? When you, when you call upon God, when you passionately reach the end of yourself and say, God, I need you, you will be found by him. You will find him. You'll be saved from your sin. You'll be saved from the wrath of God. And this really is the gospel, right? It, it, is that, that we're broken and dead in our sins. But, but we need Christ and, and we need God. And we simply need to call out to him. Because we can't save ourselves. We, we cry out to God for mercy. We cry out, to, cry out to God for help to save us from our sin. And, and here he does. And wisdom comes to us the exact same way. Is when we realize we're empty. We realize we need wisdom. And we pursue after it with all of our heart. That's really the question for all of us this morning, right? Are we seeking wisdom? Are, are you searching for wisdom? Are you pursuing it? I'm not saying this week are you pursuing it. Will you, will you pursue it? Just think about last week, did you pursue it? I mean, that, that's a good way. You can always just resolve, okay, well, I'm gonna, going to do that. Well, how about, did you do that? And, and maybe this will convict you. Maybe if I didn't do that, maybe what am I going to do this week to change that? Like, so, so this week, did you seek wisdom this week? What'd you read? What'd you study? What'd you listen to? What'd you watch? Who'd you talk to? When, when situations came in your life, did you practice what you've been learning? Because that's what wisdom is. Wisdom is skill for living. It's, it's practicing all the knowledge that you know. Did you face difficulties this week? Did you pray to the Lord for wisdom? Do you ask others for counsel? And that sort of thing is what it means to, to seek wisdom. And, and much wisdom is found in, in the scriptures. Right? Did you read your Bible this week? Did you meditate on your Bible? I mean, that's where true wisdom is to be found, ultimately with the gospel, right? Is that the true wisdom means that we are broken of ourselves and we are, we are not sufficient before God, falling short of his glory. But in Christ Jesus, the New Testament speaks so much about how he died on the cross for our sins, his sins for ours, and how we can be reconciled to God through him. And that, that's true wisdom. And that, that, that's like the, the biggest wisdom of all of life to scope that in just to how you, how you live. And that's what wisdom means. It means setting our heart and mind on the, the things of God and sifting all of our decisions, all of our life through the grid of what it means to live wisely. Maybe it comes down to this. Do you treasure wisdom? Maybe you didn't seek wisdom this week because you didn't, you don't treasure it. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Matthew 6, 21. And if you treasure wisdom, if that's really where your, where your treasure is, that's where your heart will go. Why do you think so many people are looking for Forrest Fenn's treasure? It's because their treasure is in their heart. And, and, and their feet will go where their heart goes. And, and, and there will be passion to pursue that. And also, if God's wisdom is in your heart, and if you long for that, and that's in your, your heart, and you treasure that, that's what you'll go after. 
Well, I'm so thankful that the treasure of wisdom is within the grasp of us all. If you seek wisdom, you will find wisdom. Now, in verse 6, we see the guarantee of how it is that Solomon can make such a claim. Look at verse 6. He says, for, this is the reason why we will find wisdom and find God if we seek for wisdom. Because the Lord gives wisdom. And from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. The reason why Solomon can guarantee so fully that all who seek wisdom so diligently will find it is because the Lord is the one who gives it. Solomon experienced it himself. When when the Lord came to Solomon by night in a dream asking him, what shall I give you? Solomon said, after some preamble about just how big the kingdom is and how young he is and how inexperienced he is, he says, Give your servant, therefore, O Lord, an understanding mind to govern your people, that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to govern this people, this your great people? In other words, Solomon is seeking for wisdom. He said, above all, give me wisdom, God. And God was pleased that he made such a request, and he gave him wisdom. First Kings 3, 11 and 12, the Lord said, Because you have asked this and have not asked for yourself long life or or riches or the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern what is right. Behold, I now do according to your word. Behold, I give you a wise and discerning mind so that none like you has been before you and none like you shall arise after you. And Solomon knew very clearly with that encounter with the Lord that it was the Lord who gave him the wisdom and the insight. And the understanding. He knew very well it didn't come from himself. I mean, what an experience that would have been to, to have what, pleaded and needed wisdom and then have God give you all this wisdom. Like, whoa. But he knew it came from the Lord because the Lord gives wisdom and from his mouth come knowledge and understanding, right? So if you need knowledge and understanding, seek the Lord. That's why James 1, verse 5 says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. If we lack wisdom, we should seek the wisdom giver. And the Lord is the wisdom giver. He gives to all who ask. But you need to remember, they they need to ask in such a way as verses 1 through 4 indicate passionately, desperately, crying out, pleading and praying to the Lord for this wisdom. Last week we saw in chapter 1 when the Lord actually won't give wisdom. Chapter 1 and verse 28 says, Then they will call upon me, I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but will not find me. And you remember when that came. That came only after wisdom had been available to them, but refused. After wisdom had stretched out her hand, but ignored if I can see that in chapter 1, verse 24, because I called you and you refused to listen, I've stretched out my hand and no one has heeded because you ignored my counsel, because you ignored wisdom at one time and continued wisdom you'd ignored. You're not seeking it with all your heart. You're not pursuing it passionately. It says there'll be a time when you cry out and it's too late. So we talked last week about regrets that people make that you just, consequences in life that you just, you can't undo. It's too late. That's why it's important. To seek wisdom today when it may be found and earnestly seek it today when it may be found before the time is gone. So church family, I just say search for wisdom and you will find it. it it's there for you. That's the promise in, in, in one through six. Now, but now we see in seven and, and following through the end, seven verse 22, we see the benefits in the rest of the chapter. So the promise in one through six, we see the benefits coming in verses 7 through 22. And it's good to know these benefits. 
In fact, it's crucial to know these benefits because it's the benefits that strive the people to the search in the first place. Right? I mean, think about Forrest Fenn's treasure. People see the benefits. They know the benefits. They, they see the millions of dollars. They have dollar signs flashing in their eyes. They see the buying power, the potential, and the benefits. And so, with the eye on the prize, they seek their treasure. And that's what is true in the gospel as well. With, with eye on the prize, we seek our treasure. Jesus compared the kingdom of heaven like a, a treasure that was hidden in the field, which a man found and then he covered it up. And he went and bought, sold everything he had, bought that field so he could have that treasure. It's really a, a picture of the gospel. Is it, is it what God has done in Christ is so valuable to us. It is so worth it. When Jesus said, no one can come after me unless he deny his father and mother and brother and sister. Yes, even his own life. Take up his cross. Follow me. Like, totally worth it. Totally worth it. Because you understand the benefits of the gospel, which is eternal life. Knowledge of God, fellowship with Him, forgiveness of sins, clear conscience living, joy in God. These are the types of spiritual benefits we receive in the gospel. As Troy spoke about recently, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Everything that God has for us is in Christ in the gospel. It's all there. And when we see that, we'll be willing to forsake all and to follow. We'll be willing to fulfill all these ifs of verses 1 through 4 to pursue after the Lord. Well, let's see what some of these benefits are. They're laid out in verses uh, 7 through 22. And, and really, they come under one head. They come under the head of protection. The way I'm saying this is that if you search for wisdom, right, wisdom will guard you. It's the benefits talked about here in, in chapter 2. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a protection. Wisdom is your protection. Just look at verse 7. And just look for the protection language. He says, He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity. Guarding the paths of justice. And watching over the way of His saints. Did you see the protection language there? It just comes up a couple times there. In verse 7, He's a shield to those who walk in integrity. Right? He, he's, he's like this... this, this this big metal sheet in front of you so that the arrows come, it's not going to get you. That's what wisdom is. It will protect you. It guards the path of justice, right? Like a, a sentry guard that's coming. It's going to guard. It, watching over the way of the saints. So wisdom is going to like watch over to, to shepherd and guide. And it's going to watch, watch over you. He's going to protect you. He's going to, going to guard you. Then he says in verse 9, you will understand righteousness and justice and equity and every good path. For wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you. And, and again, you see that guarding and watching language there in verse 11. And really the conclusion we see from verses 7 through 11 is just in general, wisdom will be your, your guard to protect you. You know, our world today, the, the security business is huge. We have alarms and cameras to protect our homes. Some communities we have are gated. Houses have fences all around. Many have guns in their homes to protect against intruders. But the best security system in the world is the Lord, who protects those who seek for wisdom. And note how he does this. In verse 7 says he, he stores up sound wisdom for the upright. That is, wisdom enters deep within your soul. When you, you seek passionately the Lord with all your heart and seek for wisdom and plead for it, 
It comes into your soul. And then when the dangers of life come upon you, the, the wisdom that's in you will flow out. And you'll say, okay, so I'm facing a situation. Should I go forward? Should I go back? Should I seek help? Should I ask counsel? Right? That wisdom is bubbling up within you because of all you've learned, all you've heard, and all that God has given you so that you walk in those ways. And when wisdom is in the heart and the knowledge is pleasant to the soul, you understand the good path and you will walk in the good path, as verse 9 says. Those are the benefits of wisdom. It's going to watch over you, verse 11. It's going to guard you. You know, this world is a dangerous place. It is a physically dangerous place. That's why we need security systems. But it's also a morally dangerous place. And that's why we need God's wisdom to guard us. And, and truth be told, the moral danger is the greater danger. Because physical danger is only going to affect you in this life. But the moral danger will affect you for eternity. Jesus said, don't fear him who killed the body, right? But fear what? Him who can cast your soul into hell. In other words, right? Don't just fear measly men. All they can do is kill you. But God can kill you eternally, send you into, whole, into hell where everlasting suffering is. That's why, that's why moral danger is the, the greater danger. That's why it's important for you to value, to value um, this guardian, this protection from the Lord. I just ask you, is this valuable to you? Do you want to be protected by the Lord? Do you want this shield? Do you want God to watch over you? Do you, do you want this hedge of protection around you? That's what wisdom brings. And this is like the million dollars. Like, if you don't say, eh, I don't really need God's protection. You will have no desire then to pursue the wisdom to get that protection. This is the benefits that we're seeing in chapter 2. You need to understand the benefits of, of all that will happen if you seek this wisdom. And you need to seek to protect, to understand the, the moral dangers out there and how God and wisdom can protect you. Well, we see, you say protect from what? Well, we get two examples here, beginning in verse 12. Um, two examples of how it works. First of all, wisdom will guard you against evil men. Evil men. Look at verse 12. It says this, delivering you from the way of evil, from men of perverted speech, who forsake the path of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perverseness of evil. Men whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. You know, there are plenty of men like this in the world. There are plenty of men who delight in evil, who walk in the ways of darkness and love it so. Did you see verse 14? I think this is the, the spring from which all of their evil comes out. They rejoice in doing evil. They delight in the perverseness of evil. It's not just they do evil and don't like it. No, they do evil because they love it. Like a, like a dog on a, on, a bo- on a bone treat or something. They just love it. They're going to pursue after it. It's their desire. They delight in evil. And these people are to be avoided. You need God's guidance to protect you from them. And in many ways, this, this affection is where the battle is, is fought. Verse 10 speaks about how wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Right? When you're wise, when God gives you wisdom, when you understand the choices, you discern it, you, there's a pleasantness that comes. When you can see a situation in life and know which way to walk, there's a, a delight in that. And following the Lord, there's a delight in that. And so likewise, verse 14 speaks about the evil being enjoyed by those who are wicked. 
when, when they have their, their evil, wicked schemings, and they, they like that, and they delight in that. And so really the question is, which pleasure are you going to pursue? The, the pleasures that come with sin in her ways, or the pleasures that, that come with wisdom in her ways? So think about with me, if you will, the pleasures of sin are in the flesh, and they fade quickly. The pleasures of wisdom are in the spirit, and they may be a harder way to walk sometimes, but they give long-term rewards. And some, that's how wisdom acts, is to see the long-term results and will not live in the moment, the pleasure of the moment, but will live in the understanding of the, the long-term. Uh, like, like just, let's take a few Proverbs. Proverbs sixteen fifteen. Everyone who's arrogant in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Be assured, he will not go unpunished. Basically, he says, God hates the proud and they'll be punished whether naturally by people on earth or by God or some of that, they'll be dealt with. And so the, the wise man will see this, the one who's had wisdom into the heart, the one who's sought for wisdom and has studied and thought a little bit about pride will recognize the proud man, will see his end and will want no part of that. And so we'll steer clear. It's one example of how wisdom can enter your heart. Or, or another one, Proverbs 22, 24 and 25 speaks about the angry man. Make no friendship with a man given to anger, nor go with a wrathful man, lest you learn his ways and entangle yourself in a snare. Wisdom will look upon the ways and see an angry man, the man who blows his top at little things. And will understand that associating with such a man will lead you, will lead me to anger as well. And wisdom understands that strife comes with the angry man. And that sin comes with the angry man, and the results of those things are bad. And so wisdom will flee such a one. See, you're seeing the end, wisdom is, and then avoiding that. And ultimately, if you seek wisdom and find it, it will guard you from this evil man. So what verse 12 says, it will be delivering you from the way of evil, from men of perverted speech. That's how wisdom works, right? Do you prize that? Do you prize just being, uh, avoiding evil men and their companionship and all that would draw you into and then the results that that would, would imply? Solomon brings another danger. It's the danger of the evil woman. She comes in verses 16 through 19. So again, this deliverance language. We saw deliverance language in verse 12 from the evil man and now we see deliverance language in verse 16 from the forbidden woman. So you will be delivered from the forbidden woman, from the adulteress with her smooth words, who forsakes the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God. For her house sinks down to death and her paths to the departed. None who go to her come back, nor do they regain the paths of life. The woman here is described as the forbidden woman. She is, as described here, really the adulteress who has forsaken her own marriage, gone after other men. And wisdom is the ability to see the end game. You pursue that woman and you're on a death march. You know what a, a death march is, right? It's when prisoners of war are taken and, and we need to move all these thousands of people from here, whatever, 30 miles north or 100 miles north. And so they just start marching them. March them to the internment camp. And along the way, those who are marching face starvation and, and dehydration. They, they face torture 
humiliation. And those who can't keep up on this death march are just shot and left for dead. And eventually they get the internment camp and they're going to die anyway. Concentration camp. Think World War II, right? They'll burn anyway. And so are those who go to the forbidden woman. They're on the death march. Verse 18 says, her house goes down to death. Her paths are the departed. The, the departed there. I mean, just, just those who are, are gone, who are destroyed. You know, this is illustrated this past week in Rockford. Lest you think, oh, well, okay. Is that, is that really a danger? Is it, does Proverbs really speak to us? Written 3,000 years ago? I just think about the... Um, Thursday paper, Rockford Register Star. Prominent men charged in sex trade case. Human trafficking right here in Rockford. Prominent men. A former CEO, a bank president, elected official, a youth soccer coach, doctors, and other prominent business leaders were among the 27 men charged this week in connection to an alleged illegal sex trade operation at two lingerie shops right here in Rockford. Human trafficking. We think about that. Oh, that's so bad. It goes out there. It goes on here by educated people. Evil men who want to cover up their evil deeds. And, and uh, one of the things this article talks about is how bad they don't want their names and faces to be exposed. Well, some of them have been exposed right here. Um, and then next. It says a, a cop and a doctor on leave after sexting. There was a, a former coach, soccer coach of some high school in Belvedere who was one of these men just exploiting other people, just going down to this forbidden woman, right? Illegal actions. And their lives are forever destroyed. They didn't see the end of their actions. They were caught up in the pleasure of the moment rather than seeing the end. The wisdom will see the end and will say, I don't want any part of that. I mean, first of all, it's wrong, right? It's, it's illegal. It's bad, right? But, but secondly, just even in engaging and involving with the, the forbidden woman. And the forbidden woman here speaks about um, how seductive she can be. Verse 17. I mean, this may not be at a lingerie shop. This can be someone else right? starting to pay attention to you men. Whether it's at work or just starting to, to, to pull at you, drag you, and then you get, you, get, you get dragged away. And it may not even be anything illegal per se, but it may be immoral and wrong. And know that that goes down to the house of death despite her, her promises. And we'll see in chapter 7 the promises that Miss Adulteress makes. Oh, it'll be nice. My husband's gone. He, he, he's going to be gone a long time because I saw the big bag of money he took with. Come, let us fill our house with love. Everything's prepared. Smooth speech. And likewise, in chapter 7, it says that uh, like a, a lamb led to slaughter, at once he follows her as an ox goes to slaughter, as a stag caught fast, till an arrow pierces its liver, as a bird rushes into a snare. He does not know it'll cost him his life. And none of these men who were caught in this were, really began there, it starts in other places, subtle compromises. And I say mostly online is where it starts. Just start compromising there sexually and just it goes from there. But wisdom will be that that delivers you from that wrong path. Not, not, not even the end, but beginning of that path. The conclusion comes in verse 20 through 22. So you will walk 
in the way of the good. This is if you seek for wisdom and if you have wisdom, you're going to have this. You're going to walk in the way of good and keeps to the paths of righteous for the upright will inherit the land and those with integrity will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the land and the treacherous should be rooted out of it. It's a common theme in Proverbs. It's a common theme you need to understand is that that the righteous will know the blessing, the long life, inheriting the land. Just a, just a picture of, a, of, of, of prosperity and wellness and goodness, peace. But the wicked, on the other hand, will, will die young, will not enjoy the things of life, will be filled with houses of strife and will have hardship and contention. Proverbs 10.27 summarizes it well, exactly what these verses are saying. The fear of the Lord prolongs life, but the years of the wicked will be short. It's really that kind of, that, that simple, I think. Like, what, what sort of life do you want? Do you want to know the blessings of security and long-lasting joy and walking in the fear of the Lord with a, a clear conscience where you can walk proudly before other people? Like, I, I, I'm walking before the Lord. His, His blessing is upon my life. Or do you want to you want to know the 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 trials of of insecurity and and it's the wicked they they shake at every leaf that's out there that's bustling they're like oh what's what's that if you want to live a paranoid life I'll just walk in wickedness if you want a life that doesn't know God's blessing or will be short be cut off will face punishment and hardship and strife and difficulty well then just don't seek wisdom just go home today and. Put your Bible, if you brought a Bible, put it back on the shelf and then just come back next Sunday with a smile on your face. And maybe your smile say, I didn't seek wisdom this week, but I'm doing okay. You're not okay. Seek wisdom. Seek the Lord when He may be found. Or to come back to our illustration, I just encourage you to be a, a treasure hunter. Realize that people going after Forrest Fenn's treasure have a heart and a passion to do that. But that's an earthly treasure. But I've set before you to be a treasure hunter is of far more value than is that treasure, that little, whatever, two foot by one foot little box of gold. Who cares? But you can get wisdom which is far more valuable and far more precious than is um, just a little bit of gold. It only lasts this life. Well, let me pray for all of us now that we'd be treasure hunters. Father, I would pray that we would seek for the right treasure. God, that, that we would be those who would really understand and discern the benefits and blessings of what it means to have a, a God-blessed life where your favor abounds on us, where you look at us with a smile and not a frown. God, when you delight to, to protect us, with a hedge of protection that, that can only be penetrated if you give permission, as in the case of Satan and Job. Only what you let come into the life of a, a believer will come. God, but totally protected, totally safe in the arms of God, under the shelter of your wings, finding refuge. Your faithfulness is our shield and our buckler. And so in that, O oh God, we do rejoice. Father, I would pray that you would stir within us the greatness of the treasure, that seeking it would be of, of little cost to us, that that's, of course, what we desire because we desire the wisdom that's there. And, and Father, I would pray even that by your grace, then you would protect us from evil men and from evil women 
God, who would seek to seduce us into their evil ways. Help us to see the end. Help us to see what it, what it culminates in, O oh God. And we're praying to you because we know that the Lord gives wisdom and from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. And God, we know that wisdom and knowledge of you come from you. And so we're pleading and begging that your spirit would come upon us, that genuinely, O oh God, we would, would know you and know the ways to walk that would be pleasing in your sight and would know your, your blessing in our lives. God, so come and fill us with knowledge. Show us the glorious treasure that, that wisdom is. We're dependent upon you. We thank you for all you've done for us. May we simply respond to you in, in kind, in, in joy and in trust and in humility, knowing that you are all. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.